as we have been moving uh, through the Moses year, was as we God's have been servant. ministering, we have been uh, spending the Lord's resources to reach people with the gospel, and we've been doing that very over the course of the year. And I have some good news and some bad news uh, as far as our finances go. The bad news is this. We need about $30,000 this month in order to uh, break even uh, on the year. That's the bad news. The good news is we serve an amazing God, and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly far more than we ask or imagine. And so we are trusting the Lord that he is going to provide for all of our needs. Uh, you know, that sounds like a big number. It certainly sounds like a big number to me, uh, but it is not a big number to the Lord. Amen? And um, so... Uh, this is kind of my uh, final uh, announcement about that that I'm going to make uh, for for 2011, just to tell you where we are, and uh, and what we need, and uh, to ask you to seriously consider what the Lord might be asking you to do here in the last in the last month of 2011. Um, we're not going to make any phone calls. We're not going to twist anybody's arm or anything like that. But um, but the reality of it is is that uh, our ministry has been incredibly successful this year in sharing the gospel with people, and um, and doing that uh, does cost some money, and uh, and that's just kind of the reality of where we are. Uh, so I'll make you aware of that, and then I'll commit that to prayer myself personally. Encourage you to do the same uh, as well, and we'll see what the Lord does. And I am anticipating that. Um, by January, we'll be able to stand up and announce uh, how faithful God has been to us. Uh, since it is the Christmas season, uh, and it will be here before we know it, you know, we're in the middle of the Advent season. This is the second week of Advent, and I'm going to spend the next four weeks looking at uh, Jesus and his first coming and how uh, his coming is the fulfillment of prophecy. There are over 300 specific predictions of Jesus' advent in the Old Testament. Uh, and today, and for the next three Sundays, we're going to look at three as uh, we're going to look at four aspects um, over the next four Sundays, including today, uh, four major uh, aspects of how Jesus is fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, and the first one is going to be uh, how Jesus is a prophet like Moses. And you've not, if you're, if if you've only been here at the church uh, with me, you've not spent a lot of time, I'm guessing, in Deuteronomy. Uh, but we're going to be in Deuteronomy in a couple of places today. Uh, if you ever wondered what it would be like to sit under Moses preaching, you can actually do that. You can read Deuteronomy, which is five sermons by Moses. <laughs> Uh, that are gathered together and compiled there. And there are uh, five sermons that Moses gives just before his death. Uh, the people are, are, are on the edge of the promised land, and Moses has is, is got his last shot at everybody uh, before he dies. These are the last five sermons of Moses' life. And then he, at the end of the book, is, is dead and buried uh, on Mount Nebo on the other side of the Jordan uh, from the promised land. and. Uh, Moses gets to see it. He does not get to go in, uh, but he is giving his final instructions to the people. He's calling them back to the law, to obeying God as part of the covenant that God had made with them at Sinai and that he had 
uh, initiated with them by bringing them out of slavery uh, from the land of Egypt and, and making them his own possession and his own nation and promised them that if you obey me, you will go into the promised land and you will enter in. And of course, the people rebelled against it against God and against Moses, and they were not allowed to go into the land of promise. And so the whole generation that came out of Egypt initially, the, the parents, all died in the wilderness in 40 years of wandering. And this is the younger generation, the ones who were, who were not raised as slaves, but the ones who watched their parents' rebellion and the consequences of that, and they're now standing at the same spot where their parents were, listening to Moses, who is the oldest person by far in the whole nation of Israel. Because everybody who was older, everybody who was older than 20 died in the wilderness, except for Caleb and Joshua who are in their 80s, and Moses is now 120 years old, and he's giving these speeches. And in chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, uh, beginning in verse 15, Moses is predicting the coming of a prophet who will speak uh, from God to his people, just like he did. And so if you got your Bible, find your way to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18, uh, yeah, chapter 18, verse 15. This is back in the clean part of your Bible. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, last book of the first five. Um, and this is what, it, this is what the, the word of the Lord says here. The Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass, or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Now, as you read these verses, there's a few things you need to notice. Number one, uh, be sure to notice this. What's the prophet's job? What's his role? It's to speak on behalf of God. Why? Well, you may not remember this, but when the people came out of Egypt, they met God at Sinai, and God gave to Moses the tablets of the law to carry down to the people. They broke the first, Moses broke the first set because the people were already breaking the covenant that God had made by worshiping the golden calf, and God made a second set and uh, gave those to Moses, and all the people were gathered in, a, in an assembly at, at, to worship together, and the elders of the people went out, and they actually 
uh, stood in the presence of God, all that is described of what they saw is seeing God's feet, which is interesting. Apparently, when you see the Lord, um, you spend a lot of time kind of looking like this. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, they, um, they see the Lord, and uh, God speaks to the whole nation from the mountain. And the sound of God's voice speaking scares everybody slapped to death. I'm serious. I mean, they are terrified. Just imagine, I mean, think about this. When I was a little kid, my, the sound of my dad's voice in the house, you know, you had your ears attuned for the sound of that voice, right? And when I would hear from upstairs, Joe, yes, okay. Now, my dad was not a mean man, okay, but... I respected him. I feared him in a in a in a righteous way, as I should. Right? If you're if you're a father, part of your job is to is to repeat what mom says in a deeper voice, right? <laughs> um, and 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 to have that echo through the house, you know, and so that the, your children know to listen, because dad has spoken, right? Well. Here's the thing. Now, just take that feeling that you remember and magnify it about a thousand times and understand that the God of the universe is now speaking to you. Can you imagine how you would then react? Well, you would react very much like the Israelites did. Uh, they said, don't speak to us directly anymore. It is too scary. How about this? How about you tell Moses what you want us to know, and we'll listen to Moses. And God said, okay, that's fine. I'll do it that way. And God had a very unique relationship with Moses. And, in fact, uh, if you remember, uh, Moses uh, actually spoke face-to-face -face with God, both on the mountain and in the tent of meeting. And after he met with God, his face would glow because he was in the presence of God. And here in this passage, another thing you need to see is that God is telling the people that Moses is not going to be the last person who is going to speak God's word to them. And so there are going to be, it's, this passage is going to be partially fulfilled, partially fulfilled by the prophets who come later. So you had men like Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Gad and Nathan and Micaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel, Ezekiel, Amos, Obadiah, and so on, right? Uh, a whole big chunk of the Old Testament is taken up by the writings of some of the prophets. Some of the prophets, we don't have their writings. We uh, read about them in the historical books of Kings and Chronicles and First and Second Samuel. Uh, we read about the prophets and what they did, but we don't have a lot of their writings. But these men were specially called by God to speak from God. And they spoke against the nation and its sin and called them back into covenant obedience to, uh, to God and to his people. Remember a few years ago, we looked at the prophet Malachi. 
and Malachi is just barbecuing the nation over their disobedience. Though they continue to go to the temple, though they continue to worship God, they're doing things like offering crippled animals for sacrifice. Uh, They are doing things like shorting God on the monetary gifts that they had promised. And God says, oh, that one of you priests would shut the door and not light useless fire on my altar. Remember? And, And the prophet's job is to call the nation to repent and to turn back toward God. And so over and over, God sends prophets. And these prophets are sent in partial fulfillment of this passage. But there's an expectation that there's going to be one prophet, a prophet like, a prophet like Moses. And none of those men were ever exactly quite like that. We're going to see that in in a little bit. But there's another thing I want you to see in this passage, and it's, the test for how you identify one of these prophets. Because it's very, very easy, and lots of people do it and have done it, to come out uh, maybe with a TV show or a book or whatever, and uh, maybe start your own cult group, what have you, and to say, I speak on behalf of God. Listen to me. In fact, every false religion starts that way with some random dude saying that he has got revelation from God and he's going to tell you how to live because God is speaking to him. And whether it's by golden plates or by an angel or by whatever, uh, every religion starts that way. God says, here's how you tell who the real guys are. Two-question test. Number one, does he speak in the name of other gods, and by other gods, in other words, other than Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel. Because remember what the first commandment is? I am the Lord your God, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of slavery in Egypt, and you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, in addition to me, or instead of me. You're to only worship me. Why? Because I'm the only God that there is. And so if this guy comes along and he says, oh, yes, Yahweh is good, that's all wonderful, but also Chemosh is worth a try. Or Baal. Or Shiva. Or whoever. If he comes speaking in the name of other gods. Or of a God different from the one the Bible presents, he is a false prophet. Don't listen to him. Here's the other test. Every true prophet of God's words come true. Every single time. So it's, it's no problem to be a prophet as long as you speak in the name of the Lord and only his name. And everything you predict comes 100% true. And if you can meet that test, you are the true prophet of God. And, and here's how you would know, because what would happen is the Old Testament prophets, every time that you would see a true prophet, they would have both power to do some things, often. Um, they would also have the ability to make both short-term and long-term predictions. And they would make a short-term prediction which would certify 
that what they said in other areas was also from the Lord. Uh, so, for example, Isaiah chapter 7. You guys all remember this if you've grown up in church or if you've listened to a, a Christmas message before. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah the prophet is speaking, and he says, This will be a sign for you. The virgin will be with child, and she will conceive and bear a son. And before he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the kings whom you fear will be defeated. And that is fulfilled in Isaiah's day. In fact, in the next chapter, uh, there is a son born to Isaiah and to a prophetess, who is apparently there in the king's court when this prophecy is announced. And he says, this woman, who is now a virgin, will conceive. And when she has a baby, watch that kid, because by the time, before he is old enough to uh, be a, an adult, the kings whom you fear will be defeated. And they were. And they were hauled off into captivity uh, by the Assyrian Empire. And so, how do, so what do we find out? We find out Isaiah knows what he's talking about. He speaks from the Lord. And his writings got preserved in the Old Testament on that basis. That, that God gave these men signs which authenticated the, their words. So in other words, it's not just some guy shooting off at the mouth saying, well, uh, this is what I think God would, would say. No, prove it. Give us a sign. Give us some verification. Give us some backup. And so Moses, you know, was given signs. Things like he could stick his hand into his coat. And he'd pull it out and have leprosy, stick it back in, and he'd be healed when he came out again. He could throw his staff on the ground and it'd become a snake and then pick it up by the tail and become a staff again. He could pour water out and have it turn to blood on the ground. He performed the ten plagues, which certainly authenticated that what he said was, in fact, from God. When they got to the Red Sea, Moses walks out, sticks his staff in the water, and the water parts. If a guy claims to speak from God, don't believe him. If a guy comes to speak from, says he speaks from God, and he parts the ocean, you at least ought to give him a second hearing, all right? <laughs> um uh, because this guy exhibits some things which are unusual. If a guy makes predictions about the future, don't believe him. But if his predictions come true and he says, I speak on behalf of the Lord, you need to listen to what he has to say. Because that man is the true prophet of God. Uh, by the way, just, just as an aside, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, have since 1914, I believe, predicted nine times that Jesus was coming back. And they have not been right once. So, 100% accuracy, eh. uh, different God than uh, the one that the Bible describes, yep, they fail on that count too. Eh. Don't listen to those guys, okay? Joseph Smith said he was a prophet of God, said that Jesus would return before he died. Uh, he also preached a multitude of gods, including himself as becoming one at his death. So fails on that count, and guess what? Jesus didn't return before he died. Fails on that one too. Every kind of cult leader and religious figure in the world, if you apply this test, fails, except for those who are the true prophets of the Lord God of heaven. Okay? 
One final thing um, I want you to see, and, and I want you to see this carefully. Uh, when he says that God will raise up for you, he does not say prophets like me. He says a prophet like me, singular. And, uh, and what you will see is that as you study these later men that did follow, that were, like I say, partial fulfillment of this prophecy by Moses, they, they all did great things. They all spoke from God. They all uh, fulfilled this requirement in that sense, but they were not exactly a prophet like Moses. None of them spoke with God in the same way that Moses did. And uh, that I want you to see uh, is over in Deuteronomy chapter 34. So go over a couple of pages. Deuteronomy chapter 34, last, uh, last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at verse 9 through verse 12. If that clock is accurate, I'm running real short on time. We're going to do the best we can. Chapter 34, verse 9, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of, spirit, full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet like Moses, in Israel, since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Now, you need to know that if you're a conservative Bible scholar, uh, you'd, the majority of those would say that the first five books of, of the Bible are written primarily by Moses. There are probably some later editions uh, and updating that... Um, that do happen, and this is probably one of those. This is written after Moses is dead, and after some period of time, apparently, has elapsed because there's an evaluation that's passed. Since then, there's not arisen. When is then? I don't know. But there's not arisen another prophet like Moses whom God spoke with face to face. There have been other prophets, but none like Moses that God spoke with face to face. And there arises within Israel because of that an expectation that there is going to be yet this singular prophet who is going to come and who is going to be like Moses. Uh, there was never again a prophet whose face glowed because he'd been in the presence of God. Uh, there was never again uh, this kind of a prophet with this kind of power like Moses had. And then you go through the whole Old Testament, the whole line of prophets, and you come down to Malachi, who's the last of the Old Testament prophets, and, and he preaches, and he dies, and then there's 400 years that elapse without a word from the Lord through a prophet. And then John the Baptist comes on the scene, and one of the first questions that he is asked is, are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? And he says, no, I'm not. The prophet like Moses that 
Moses himself predicted was coming, but it wasn't John the Baptist. So you were looking for somebody better, somebody better than Moses, somebody more significant than Moses, someone who knew God face to face. You were looking for Jesus. And if you have your Bible, go over to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to read these verses. Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to read the whole chapter. So buckle your seatbelt. Because this is, a, this is actually a tough chapter if you listen to what it says. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and, I, and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall never enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you in an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. None of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he, did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So see that they were house. And he's doing it in a spiritual sense, uh, built of the men and women who have trusted in his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and who thereby become the dwelling place of God uh, through the Holy Spirit, who comes in and indwells each person who trusts in Jesus Christ. So that people, not a building, not a tent, become the dwelling place of God. And though the text doesn't specifically mention it, I will. Moses is referred to back in Deuteronomy as knowing God face to face, but what Exodus 34, which is the great record of uh, Moses meeting God face to face, what that reveals to us as you read it closely is that Moses is only capable of seeing just the afterglow of God's presence, because to experience fully and totally the glory of God as it is revealed would be to so overwhelm the person as to put them to death. And so God says to Moses, stand right here 
put, hide it in this hole in the rock, and I'll put my hand over you, and when I pass by, then you can see kind of the afterglow as I go by. And Moses says, well, that's good enough for me. Okay. But Jesus actually knew God face to face. How do we know? Because John says that Jesus is the one and only Son of God who was with God in the beginning, in other words, from all eternity past, and who is God and therefore reveals God to us completely and totally. So far better than Moses, who only got to see kind of the afterglow of God. This is, this is God in the flesh who, as John says elsewhere, God the one and only has revealed God to us. Better prophet than Moses. Moses fed people in the wilderness. Jesus did too, multiplying food in a way that even the unbelieving recognized him as the prophet and tried to make him king. But he is also the true bread that came down from heaven, which gives life to the world. Moses gave thirsty people water. Jesus said, I give you living water that will well up within you to eternal life. Moses divided the water and allowed people to walk through it. Jesus walked on it and invited people to walk with him. Moses made a bronze snake and lifted it up in the desert. People who looked at it and trusted in it would be saved from death by snake bite. Jesus was lifted up on a pole on the cross that people who looked to him and trusted in him would have life not just physically but eternally moses 10th plague was the death of the firstborn jesus was the firstborn who was put to death to bring everyone else life jesus is the prophet of greater glory than moses and because Jesus is superior to Moses, we do well as his people to listen to him. Remember that the role of the prophet is to call people back to obedience to God and to call them away from their sin and to repent and to return into covenant relationship with God. And so here the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 95, uh, about I think it's 7 to 11 of Psalm 95 about how Israel rebelled against God in the wilderness, and as a result, they came under God's discipline and judgment and weren't able to enter into the promised land. But God made them wander in the desert until they all died in the wilderness. And they serve as an example for us because the same fate that fell on them might well fall on us too. Because after all, it was the same people whom God had redeemed from slavery who rebelled. It was the same people that he rescued that died in the wilderness due to their rebellion. And it was the same people God called to enter the promised land who died because of their unbelief. The same people. And that thought ought to lead us to some sobering reflection. I know it's Christmas. I know it's a time for celebration. But it's also a time to reflect. It ought to cause us to call out to God through his Holy Spirit to search us and know us and see if there be in me any wicked way. Because though Moses was the greatest of the prophets, one greater than Moses has come, 
And he calls us not to harden our hearts against him. Because if we do, we run the risk of failing to enter into the rest that God promises. Because by our unbelief, we reveal ourselves to have never really known him. And hardness of heart, i got to tell you, it doesn't happen all at once. I've seen it a lot. And it's like, it's like calluses on your fingers. How do you get those? Well, you use your hands to do various things. Maybe it's raking leaves or swinging a hammer or fixing cars or you know, washing dishes or whatever. But you use your hands to do something. And if you use them hard, what happens is the first time that that happens, your hands are sore and tender and red. And then the next time, maybe they're a little sore, but not as sore as they were. And then after a while, you get where you don't even feel it anymore, like you did. Why? Your hands have gotten hardened to it. And hardness of heart works identically the same way. That you sin against God and you engage in rebellion against Him. And what you clearly know He has told you not to do. And you hear the Holy Spirit calling out to you, turn around, repent, stop doing this. And you go, you know what, I'm just not going to listen. I'm having too much fun with this right now. And you develop a hardening in your heart, hearing the Spirit's voice. And then a little more, a little later, and a little more, and a little more. And eventually... When God calls to you, you don't hear his voice anymore until one day you wake up in a far country dressed in rags and eating the pig food and wondering how in the world you got here. And I've had it happen to me. I'll bet that some of you have had it happen to you where you have gotten hardened in your heart to listening to and obeying God. And you wake up and you go, how did I ever get to this place? And so the Word of God tells us, today, today, three times, today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Listen, obey, repent if you need to. Hear His voice and do what He commands because Jesus is the prophet like Moses who calls us into relationship with God and calls us away from our sin and into obedience to Him. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are so gracious that You keep calling to us those at times we grow deaf. And Father, we thank You for the promise that You repeat three times in these few verses here at the end in Hebrews today, as long as it's today, and we hear your voice calling to us, you will receive us back as we repent. Father, I pray there would be no one in this congregation who would be hearing your voice right now telling them very clearly the sin they ought to reject and the repentance they ought to engage in. 
who would turn aside from that and develop a hard heart. Father, we want everyone to enjoy the rest and peace and joy of the relationship with you that we are blessed to have through faith in Jesus. And Father, I pray that no one would fail to enter into it because of their unbelief. Father, I pray for your grace to be on all of us and that you would transform us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.